your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast covering your favorite football team every single day. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my partner in crime. John, some sports guy Hickman, and this season, get your football on your time with NFL Game Pass. See all of the action from every game with full game replays. You can also replay an entire game and catch all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. Who doesn't like free? Again, that's NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Unless you are the Tennessee Titans and, uh, well... As we look around the NFL right now, Corona is running rampant through the Tennessee Titans. But we're here to talk about the Houston Texans, of course, and just so much going on in this organization. I mean, from the confusion, from the rumors to the to the leaks, to the back and forth between players and coaches and head coaches, to what is Kyle, I'm sorry, Cal McNair doing keeping Jack East to be around. DeAndre Hopkins, who's in a much better situation from himself, he has, you know, his own comments between what he believes happened with Houston and why he's gone now. And McNair responded on 16 Radio. And for today, we have kind of our, like, a family member now. We've had him on a couple times. But Brandon Scott from 16 Radio will be joining us today for our podcast to talk about what happened in that Cal McNair interview, uh, and also where the Houston Texans can go from here. And so without further ado, let's go ahead and bring in our cousin from another another side of the family, Brandon Scott. How's it going on, my man? It's going good, family. How y'all living? How y'all living this week? Oh, pretty good, man. Pretty good, actually. Just busy. The Houston Texans got us busy, man, and I'm pretty sure you're, you're, you're going through this busyness just like the rest of us. Man, I'm, I'm telling you, man, my head has been spinning since Monday. I mean, y'all remember, <laughs> I don't know if y'all remember exactly how all of this went down, but, you know, the Astros were in the middle of a game when this news came down. Mm-hmm. And I had I had briefly diverted my attention to that, even though we had plenty of drama already going on with the Texans before Bill O'Brien even got fired. Like, we had the play calling situation, they were 0-4, and we had just talked to Bill earlier in the day. So, I mean, it was already plenty busy, plenty hectic, and then we got the bomb. So it's just been head on a swivel ever since, man. Actually, we're going to talk about the Bill O'Brien situation in a little bit, but first, because you are at Sports Radio 610 and because Kyle McNair was on Sports Radio 610, what, what day was that? Wednesday night or whatever the case might be. I believe it was Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday night. He joined the, the radio station to explain his decision not only did he part ways with Bill O'Brien, but also give an explanation behind the whole DeAndre Hopkins trade. Now we all know DeAndre Hopkins tweeted his side of the story. And now that has become a whole sideshow of his own. So Brandon, as someone who was, who's at sports radio 610, what is being said about McNair's appearance on the show, especially what he had to say about DeAndre Hopkins? Yeah, there were there were a lot of things to break down from Cal McNair's appearance, if for no other reason because we don't hear from him very often, right? Like it's you can you can probably count on your hand how many times you've actually heard him speak publicly 
And so, and so that in and of itself, the fact that he spoke was a topic and, uh, and something that was worth, <laughs> worth breaking down in and of itself. As far as the Hopkins thing, think about it, man. When you listen to that, and if you listen to it on Sports Radio 610, it, it's unprompted. He was not necessarily even asked about the Hopkins trade, but you could tell by the way he brought it up that he felt this need to defend it or explain it. Um, and so and so I found that to be fascinating that he even went down that road without even being asked to do so. Um, this was not this was not like the, the, the typical media setting where Cal gets peppered with questions or uh, you know the, the typical kind of Zoom media availability. This was a one-on-one with him and Mark Vandermeer. And he just kind of he went right into it. And I guess the, the, the main takeaway is that it, it diverts none from what Bill O'Brien had already said. And you, you begin to wonder how much Cal McNair actually really knows or how independently he thought of the decisions that were made under Bill O'Brien. Like if he was just taking Bill O'Brien's word for everything, Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby, uh, whatever they decided, whenever, whatever managerial moves that they made, once they explained them to him, that was the gospel to him. And so that's the truth as he sees it. They had um, to be. But, but the reaction, man, and, and I'm pretty sure y'all's response is something similar. It's, it's just that, man, that's not true or that's not a good enough reason or, or that's not a, a good enough excuse to get rid of a franchise cornerstone. Um, and really it sounded like even though he had just fired Bill O'Brien and he had come on to explain the firing of Bill O'Brien and discuss it. Um, it sounded like he was also brainwashed a little bit by Bill O'Brien, at least when it comes to this particular subject matter with trading DeAndre Hopkins. You know, his his explanation was that they couldn't afford it because of the other deals that they had to make, which, I mean, we all have different opinions about. Like, we, we're looking at you like, well, no, you didn't have to make all of these, all of the deals that you made. and And you didn't necessarily have to your hand wasn't necessarily forced with DeAndre Hopkins um, with three years left on his contract. So there's some outrage, man. I think that people are glad to hear from Cal and happy that Cal made a move that a lot of the fan base thought was long overdue. But at the same time, he went unprompted, unsolicited into this uh, defense and explanation of DeAndre Hopkins trade, which I don't think anybody was going to force him to relive or relitigate. And he decided to do that anyway. And the answers and the explanation is not satisfactory. Let me just say this real quick before moving on about what Cal McNair had to say about DeAndre Hopkins trade. Now, Brandon, I'm about, I might surprise you with this and I'm not going to flip or change my stance because of what happened. Now, to be honest with you, Brandon and John, you already know this. I've always been on the side of the Texans because of this trade. I understood it from a financial standpoint. Now, does that mean I agree with the trade? Hell no, not by, no, I don't agree with the trade, but at the end of the day, I understood it from a financial standpoint. I believe there's more to the story. And two, the problem that I've always had with the Texans parting with DeAndre Hopkins is the fact that I'm pretty sure they could have found a way to keep him if they really wanted to. Because like Hopkins said in his tweet, 
all he wanted was just a little bit of a pay raise, not the $54.5 million that he signed, I believe, over two or three years in Arizona. And, you know, when I'm looking at situations that could have played out in Hopkins and the Texans' favor, why did Houston feel the need that they had to take take care of guys like Whitney Merciless and Zach Cunningham first before they take care of DeAndre Hopkins? I, I never understood that. No disrespect to Merciless and Cunningham, but there are not generational talents like Hopkins. You can find another Whitney Merciless and Cunningham. You might not ever get another Hopkins. Two, yes, you had to take care of Laramie Tunsil and Deshaun Watson, but I'm pretty sure the Texans could have worked out a deal where – Tunsil and Watson could have taken less money in order to make sure that they took care of Hopkins. I'm pretty sure they, they could have done that. And this is a franchise that's always talking about they want to model themselves after a championship um, franchise. Everyone knows like the New England Patriots. But at the end of the day, how many times has the best player on these championship teams have been the highest paid player on the team? And how many pay cuts has a guy like Tom Brady has taken to make sure you keep talent on your team that that's my two biggest problems that I have with this DeAndre Hopkins trade and I'm pretty sure if the Texans would have taken that approach Laramie Tunsil and Deshaun especially Deshaun Watson they would have taken less in order to make sure that they kept DeAndre Hopkins on this team and of course the the biggest thing everybody has a problem with you didn't even get a first round pick if you if your hand was forced to trade Hopkins the fact that you did not get a first round pick is just a shame. And there is a report going around that the Texans actually had better deals on the table. And to be honest with you guys, I don't, I don't even want to know what was a better deal than what they got from Arizona. Oh, I want to know. I definitely want to know. I yeah. want to know. Yeah. I want to know that information. I can't well, so come out. A, a couple of things to, to go over that, what you mentioned, Cody, and I, I agree with you a hundred percent, except for the fact that, on the on the money part, for the reasons that you explain, I do think that the money explanation that they give us is not a good one because of all of these ways around no, this salary cap issue that 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 you talk about. And so you talk about the Whitney Merciless deal, talk about the the Zach Cunningham deal. Notice how with the DeAndre Hopkins thing, with this trade, how it's always framed with what we had to pay Deshaun Watson and Laramie Tunsil, but it makes no mention of the fact of all of these overpays and how they got rid of all of their bargain deals. Like Zach Cunningham was a bargain deal. That's the thing. You ride that out. You know, I like Zach Cunningham and with respect to Zach Cunningham, but you get a, you get an inside linebacker to play the way he has as a second round pick, you ride that out, especially if you feel like you have to pay all of these other stars, all of these other, quite frankly, more important positions, quarterback, left tackle, wide receiver. Since when do you have a franchise quarterback, but don't feel like you need a franchise wide receiver? Like the things go together, you know, like the, the, this idea that you would have to choose between your left tackle and your wide receiver is just bogus. And so I agree with everything you said, Cody. And, and, and it's particularly about the part about taking less, I think it's important to mention, it's not even just about taking less. It's about the structure of it. Nobody would have to take less. Everybody would get their money. It's just about when you would get it and how you would get it and how they would finagle the salary cap. And I think that speaks to 
kind of as far as going forward, and I know we'll get into this at some point, but like as far as going forward, the issue with this organization now is that they need someone, not someone who's going to go to Cal McNair and say, hey, well, we got to make a decision. We can't pay all of our generational talent. They need, they need someone that can come in there and say, hey, Cal, this is how we finagle the salary cap. This is how we structure deals and make them work. This is how we pay a guy who's this age now and pay a guy who's that age then, you know, like to, to, to be able to, to know how to work around these things. You see how they've done it in Kansas City and you mentioned New England and how they've done it in other places, places that are well run, know how to make these things work. They don't just come to you and say, well, we don't have enough money and then go out there and trot out the. Um, the, the 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 highest payroll of any team um, in the league. You know, like you're, you're clearly willing to spend money. It's just how you spend it and are you responsible with it and are you savvy with the salary cap? And they clearly were not. That is the issue. I look at it like this. The Texans, Bill O'Brien really did this, got rid of Chris Olsen who managed it. I'm sorry, who manages uh, the salary cap or who managed the salary cap for Houston for a very long time. And so from that point, when that happened early in the year, no, late last year that happened. And so let's look at what happened since Chris Olsen was fired. Tunsil's deal, Washington's deal, Cunningham deal. Uh, Merciless got his deal around that time. But let's look at a lot of the pointless, I, I call it pointless free agent deals. You brought in Randall Cobb, you're not even using him correctly. So paid him a lot of money. You traded for David Johnson to uh, once you got rid of De, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. You're taking on $12.5 million there, and he's not going to re- reconstruct that. I mean, I wouldn't. You pay safety Michael Thomas, uh, along with Eric Murray, a combined roughly $21 million. You know, so it's, it's not that they, like you said, they didn't have money. It looks like everything was personal. Because Hopkins should still be in Houston. There's no way you should be giving players like Eric Murray and uh, Michael Thomas a combined $21 million. There's no way. There's no way that, to take it further back, that Tyshawn Gibson shouldn't be here, by the way. And that's a different beef that I have because he played phenomenal for Houston. But overall, they don't know what they're doing. And so, Brandon, this is my question that I want to bring to you. With the firing of Chris Olsen, with the, with the with the moves that Bill O'Brien made as a coach and general manager, and now for Cal to come out, is he being reactive now because he sees a fan base that's totally done? Like we're not the Cowboys. We're not just gonna continuously. The Cowboys got it next year. The Cowboys got it next year. We don't have that luxury because Houston has never won it, right? We've never built a dynasty. So right. is he being reactive now? Because when we look at everything that's been going on in this organization over the past four weeks alone, let's see how some of what's going on. Hear about this. Assistant coaches getting into it with Bill O'Brien, yelling at two assistant coaches while they're at practice. That's what's going on. Randall Cobb is saying that he got into it with Bill O'Brien and confronting him because he's, he didn't like the way he was being utilized. And now there's a player going around, uh, going around and saying that now that he's gone, they feel more loose and can actually practice. And players are actually kind of rejoicing. Everything that's been going on in a span of 72 hours now, four days, in a sense, uh, everything that's been going on is Cal just trying to save his own face. My question about it, John, is does he get it? And you know, I think he cares. No. And, and I think he, to, to answer your question straight on, is he being reactive? Yes. I mean, look, John, you can't look at 
J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson and how they looked and sounded after that game, after that Minnesota loss, and think that whatever was going on was okay. The best player in your franchise's history comes out and says, what we're doing is not working. Something's got to be different. Something's got to change. Cal McNair hears that. Like, I, I don't think that Cal McNair fully understands and gets it, but he does understand J.J. Watt's weight in the franchise. Power. His, power, his power within the franchise and the, the power in his words and his frustrations. Um, and, and I don't think it was just about J.J. Watt. I mean, you look at the, the field, you look at the play on the field, and it's clear that they weren't playing for this coach anymore. So, yeah, he's being reactive on, on the one side, but it is a fair criticism to wonder, does Cal McNair get it? Or to just straight up think that he doesn't. Because what's true is Cal McNair was a part of all of these problematic moves that we're frustrated about and that we're parsing out right now. Um, the, uh, the, the DeAndre Hopkins trade being the main one here where he just defended it on our airwaves. I mean, Cal McNair was, he signed off on it. You know, and, and so it, it's, it's not like he gets to divorce himself from these decisions um, individually. And so, yeah, no, he's he's reacting to um, to to his players not responding to the coach. But at the same time, you have to wonder, OK, if this if this is how short the leash was, if all it took was four games of bad football for you to give up on this experiment, how much did you really believe in the experiment to begin with, and, and how much it, how much of it was just sold to you, um, and, and how easily can you be sold? Can you be swayed? I think those are all relevant questions that will probably get answered as this search for a new regime goes on. Yeah, it was a culture issue that seems like the player was the players were just completely tired of. But we're going to talk about where can Houston go now? Help support your local businesses. Whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team supporting you and your community. They remember your order, call you by name, and they're always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile. But right now, more than ever, Cody and listeners at home, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, help your team score and choose to shop at a local business. And while you're at it, look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with the contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, the official partner of the NFL. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen of Locked On Texans. We have our, I'm going to just go ahead and say it, our cousin from Sports Radio 610, Brandon K. Scott, here with us today. And Brandon, um, I just want to ask you, you know, after the news of Bill O'Brien's firing, where do you think the Texans should go from here? Deshaun Watson. <laughs> Deshaun Watson is where they should go from here, <laughs> I like here, that man. answer. Think about it, man. Like, I'm not saying that Deshaun Watson should pick the coach, but... The, whoever the coach is has to be picked exclusively with Deshaun Watson, or I should say not exclusively, but primarily with Deshaun Watson in mind. You have to do, obviously, more than coach the quarterback. But it's got to be with Deshaun Watson in mind. And I talked to – I asked J.J. Watt about that because he even mentioned when he talked to us the first time he spoke after all of this happened, even kind of unsolicited, he said, you know, you can't be 0-4 – 
with Deshaun Watson. You can't be 0-4 with a quarterback of this caliber. Essentially saying you cannot waste this guy's time. You know, and that's what it feels like has been happening over the past four years or three years plus going into uh, year four. And so that can't happen. There's got to be somebody who can maximize Deshaun Watson's strengths from a schematic standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, uh, someone who just understands him and believes in him. And not to say that Bill O'Brien didn't fully understand and believe, but it wasn't the right fit. It just, it was not the right fit. Um, and, and so that is going to be the main thing. Like, what is the fit for Deshaun Watson? I think Eric Bieniemy's name is the one that's the most, uh, the, you know, is the most prevalent out there. He's been the high coach on the market anyway, uh, even before this one, even before it was necessarily, hey, you can pair him with Deshaun Watson. Uh, before we knew Bill O'Brien's job was was in jeopardy. But now it just seems like the stars have kind of aligned for it. Like, it's just the perfect, the perfect matchup. Um, and there are others that are like that. I mean, it could be – it doesn't even necessarily have to be an offensive-minded coach as much as it has to be somebody who gets it, who's going to bring in a guy who knows what to do with Deshaun. So the short answer is Deshaun Watson. That's where you go from here because that's that's really your future. How important is it for Tim Kelly to come out and establish himself? I mean, if, if, I'm, if I'm a guy that's being thrown into a role again – but this time, the guy above me is gone who kind of handcuffed me. And how important is, you know, for him to establish himself? Because if he goes out and they go out there and score 30 points, 30 points, 25, 28, and the offense is clicking, it would be, you know, kind of unfair and injustice to not give him a shot at the head coaching foot if him and Watson are on the same page and it's thriving. I think it's a fair shot for him to get an interview. The, the head coaching thing I had not even considered for Tim Kelly, uh, considering where uh, just where where he's coming from and the fact that Bill O'Brien brought him here, and that he's basically been following Bill O'Brien around for the past decade. Um, but I do think that, as far as observations go for the rest of the season, Tim Kelly's performance is going to be very very interesting to pay attention to, because whether he's auditioning for uh, whether he's auditioning to keep his job or whether he's auditioning for the next job, you can believe that he is auditioning for a job somewhere. So I think that that is a fascinating thing to watch. Not just that, but before the season, or before the season started, but when we knew that Tim Kelly would be the new play caller, one of the big questions was that we had, one of the big questions was, what's going to be different from Tim Kelly to Bill O'Brien? How does Tim Kelly show himself to be his own man? How does he distinguish himself from Bill O'Brien? And if the part of the issue was Bill O'Brien as the play caller, what makes you think Tim Kelly is the solution if he is built in the image of Bill O'Brien? And what did we see? It wasn't that much different. And come to find out, Bill O'Brien is still heavily involved in the play calling. Well, now, with Bill O'Brien being absent, not being there at all, you get I think you get a real true sense of whatever it is that Kim Kelly is as an offensive mind and as a play caller. Now, obviously it's still, it's still the same offense that Bill O'Brien installed, but as far as play calling goes and as far as his ability to work with Deshaun, I think these next 12 games, I don't think there's anything he can do in these 12 games to make him a head coach candidate. Um, I, I just, I think that 
I think that his tie to Bill O'Brien is going to make it really hard to sell him as, as any kind of head coach candidate here. Now, he's a young guy, so he's got a future ahead of him if he can make the most out of this opportunity with Deshaun. Um, so it's definitely going to be interesting to see how he uses this as an audition. I definitely agree. I look at it uh, plain and simple like this. Anybody or anything that had anything to do with Bill O'Brien, I think it's fair to say to wash it away. But I will say this, I, I think if he goes out there and establishes himself as his own man, because to be quite frankly, to be quite frank, we have not seen him display himself. We've only seen him in the shadow uh, and, and Bill O'Brien casting a shade down as a tree. So I think it'd be fair to give him a shot. But you know, ultimately it goes like this, Jacksonville is Sunday, right? The first thing Houston needs to do is get a win. So yeah. my question to you before we move on is, for the next 12 games, what do you see out of Houston taking place? Man, I, 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 hopefully I see less of, of up the gut. Hopefully I see less of that. And, and I wasn't very encouraged by listening back to uh, Tim Kelly's press conference on, uh, on Thursday and the way he spoke, it made it seem like it was going to be more of the same. But hopefully, I mean, Romeo Cornell talked about this, about having a better, seeing a team with a better attitude and more energy and just a more inspired football team. Um, I, I would like to see that. I think that that's going to be a huge part of it. Um, I, and obviously the X's and O's and, and just them, them playing better. Like, you know, with the, with the play calling, I, I really am wanting to see if Tim Kelly, like, does, like, does he really believe the things that have been, that have been sold to us about this offensive philosophy and, and especially with Deshaun Watson being in the fold, being in the mix. Like, this is not Brian Hoyer or Ryan Mallett running your offense or Brock Osweiler running your offense. Like, does Tim Kelly know what to do with Deshaun Watson? Um, and and I'm, I'm hoping that the answer is yes. You know, I think that that is the, uh, that is the thing to do is to unleash Deshaun Watson. I think the issue with Bill O'Brien, part of the issue with Bill O'Brien was that players – did not have enough say, did not have enough voice. And hopefully Tim Kelly is smart enough to know that that's got to change. Um, they talked to us, and I think I've mentioned this on here before, but they talked to us before the season started about seeing the game through the same eyes and the same lens as a quarterback. Well, stop saying that and let's just do it. Let's just do it. Go out there and let Deshaun let it rip. Let Deshaun be Deshaun. Um, and, and sometimes, you know what, sometimes the play is going to be negative. Sometimes Deshaun might hold on to the ball a little bit too long or he might make the wrong read. Like, it's not going to be perfect. And I think everybody, uh, Texans fans, need to uh, not temper the expectations but understand that there is some give and take with the type of dynamic player that Deshaun Watson is and to just have fun with it, baby. You know what is a saying that goes, my daddy told me this a long time ago, scared money don't make no money. That's it. Scared money and don't Bill make O'Brien been playing with scared house money for a little too long. So it's good to see him going out the out the door. It's good to see uh, Romeo Cornell, who has stepped into this light before, kind of take over. At least we know we'll have some leadership that is more of a player's type of coach. Brandon, where can everybody follow you on Twitter and all of your social media? At Brandon K. Scott on social media. That's on Twitter. At Brandon K. Scott. At B. Scott from Hiram Clark on Instagram. Y'all hit me up, man. Yes, sir. Herm Clark in the building. Hit him up on Twitter, <laughs> 610 Sports Radio. Thank you for coming on. 
the family is all together. When we come back, we're going to give our thoughts on what's going to happen on Sunday. As we try to look beyond all of the drama that the Houston Texans have going on right now, John, listeners at home, we still have a game to go out and perform on Sunday. And real briefly, I want to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, They have allowed 13 sacks, but they're not getting any sacks. And so let's look at the favor for Houston. The team you're going up against, you're going to have an opportunity to win at the line of scrimmage with the big boys up front, right? And I think it'll be a very awesome job to send a lot of different schemed blitzes at Gardner Mishu, who's going into his second year, who's in his second year. And it's, it's been proven that they're going to allow some sacks. And on the flip side, a team that has gotten better throughout the weeks, and I think we can still account for some of the sacks that Deshaun Watson takes, it's on him with this offensive line. This should be one of those games where they can dominate. They can really dominate. And also when we look at uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they are not as bad as we are, but they're also allowing nearly 140 yards on the ground with five touchdowns this year going into week uh, five. So there's an area where if Houston wants to kind of get their rhythm and running the ball, this is a team that you can take an opportunity and take an advantage of to kind of get that going for David Johnson, for Duke Johnson, CJ Prosites, who we brought up from the practice squad. Uh, but they, they don't have a, a good defense stopping the run either. And so ultimately Houston has an opportunity to really get a few things clicking on Sunday. Number one, if you really still want to establish the run and not necessarily establish it moving forward, but just have it a part of your game to where it's obsolete, this is the game to do it. If you want to have your offensive line collectively for the first time without Bill O'Brien being there, look very well, because if I'm Mike Devlin, my job is on the line as well. And so you need to have this game uh, for yourself and your crew and your unit to win. Limit the sacks that Jacksonville can get. Uh, and then on the flip side, Charles Omanehu, who's had a couple of sacks this year, uh, Ross Blacklock, you know, he's a he's a young guy who wants to get his rhythm going. He's athletic. He can do a lot of different things. Jacob Martin, J.J. Watt, Carlos Watkins, who has a sack on the year. Allow this game for your front four to really impact. That way, if they impact, they can help out their secondary because, as we know, the secondary has been struggling as well. But when I look at what the Jacksonville Jaguars are able to do, yes, they're allowing 140 yards on the ground, but they're also allowing 261 passing yards. And so this is a game where finally, finally, you could possibly get a turnover. Gardner Minshew has eight touchdowns on the year. He also has four sacks. Not really necessarily a high number for him, but, you know, that's a win that you can possibly go get. Allow this team to get some juice. You know what I mean? Allow this team to get some good energy, some good vibes only. Allow this team to play loose and thrive. Romeo Cornell will do the best he can to put this team in an opportunity to win, and so I'm looking forward to that uh, and ultimately getting this first win of the season. Yes, sir. And with that being said, I do believe the Houston Texans will win this game on Sunday. And to be quite honest with you, John, I think, you know, given everything that they've been through this week as a team, I think they're just going to come together and win this game just based off of just based off the of emotions. I really do think that's going to happen. So my prediction, I do believe that this is the game where you can finally start seeing some mojo. If the Texans have any chance to turn their season around, it starts on Sunday. No ifs and buts about it. Hopefully they could become the second team in league history 
to start the season 0-4 and, and still make the playoffs. The first one was the 92 San Diego Chargers. Yes, the 92 San Diego Chargers. They would be first and only team to go out and do that. And Deshaun Watson is still here. J.J. Watt is still here. You still have talent on this team. The cancer to this team has now been removed, and hopefully they can do something and, and not only just salvage, but turn this season around. So with that being said, I have the Houston Texans winning this game 35-14. I'm going to go 31-23 Houston. And with that score, I also predict them to have a turnover in this game. And the Jacksonville Jaguars will allow at least three sacks. I'm John, some sports guy Hickman. It's Friday. You guys deserve the weekend, especially after the madness. And I'm pretty sure if you're listening to the Houston Texans show, then you're probably an Astros fan. Go Strolls, baby. They tried to count us out, but they couldn't. Follow us at Locked On Texans on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Comment, tweet, do it all. We want to hear from you because ultimately we don't really operate well unless you're around. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace. Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.